Welcome back to another episode of Lash Society. I'm Shania. And I'm Tiana. And we've got a special guest with us today. We've got Bridget from Lashbox LA. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No, we're so excited to have you here and get chatting with you a little bit. Um, So, I don't know, what do you want to, how do you want to jump into it? Do to tell, I'll ask you to tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me a little bit about yourself for ever, anyone who doesn't know you out there. Um, my name is Bridget and <laughs> <laughs> I own Lashbox LA Australia. I look after the distribution for Australia and New Zealand. I am also our national educator and I love lashes in case nobody's noticed. She does. <laughs> she, she like asked me like 50 times if she wanted to do my lashes. <laughs> I haven't had my lashes done in like, I don't know, three, four, five years. She's like, I want to do your lashes. I'm coming to Melbourne. I want to do I'm like, fine. It turned out okay. I like them. <laughs> now I'm fluttering. That's cute. That's cute. Um, first, let, talk us talk us through Lashbox LA. How did you come into distributing for Lashbox LA? What was, what was the decision around that? So I, like a little bit about my backstory, I have been a lash artist for 15 years. I had a salon for 17, well, I've been in the beauty industry for 17 years um, and a lash artist for 15 of those 17 years. And I really love the fact that when you do lashes and somebody opens their eyes, it's an immediate transformation. Unlike any other salon service that we had, you could make women feel beautiful like instantaneously Mm. Although at the time, working with loose pot lashes, you'd spend three hours doing a full set and people would open their eyes and be like, can I have more? And you're like, maybe strip <laughs> lashes and makeup for you. Um, this is the most we can deliver. So I struggled with that for many years. And working with loose pot lashes meant that you had to get fast at it. Otherwise, people wouldn't lay for that long. Um, it was just something that sparked my soul. And I love that you could see that immediate transformation. And yeah, I don't know. That's what led me to lashes. Yeah. And I, I wanted to be able to deliver more. Like when you have clients that get up and they, they want more than what you can give them, you are either challenged to look for ways to do that. And 15 years ago, there weren't many other ways to do that. The first Russian volume course I took, we applied one on the left and one on the right. Mm. So that was like double the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when Wait, lashes... do you think doing separate eyes is longer? Doing separate eyes. No, it was like one, like placing like one, one lash on the left and one lash on the right to make a volume fan with loose pot lashes. Oh, I see what you're saying. So yeah. it was like double the time. It was like placing one and placing one and like struggling to get the other one to sit well because you'd already placed one if yeah, you placed it yeah. too close to the top. So there were like challenges with that. But yeah, you could double the volume, but it what still wasn't the same as volume. Yeah. When lashes came out in trays, God, that was groundbreaking. Mm. <laughs> It really yeah. was. Don't and you remember that? As, were you lashing yeah, at that time? Yeah. I wasn't. But. We spoke about this. When I said yeah, they but came in the little Grammy bags. Yeah. yeah. But like yeah. coming in trays. Mm. That would have been really cool. That would have been like mind-blowing, right? Well, that would have been amazing. When I first saw it, I was like, is this sorcery? I was like, who stood all those lashes up and what are they stuck to? And how are they standing there like that? They're just waiting for me to pick them up. Like I don't have to like take my little granny bag. You don't have bag, to use a silicon pad anymore. Right? And sprinkle on my silicon pad and then stand up 10 yeah. lashes and then get going and then stand up 10 more and then keep going and then like working out your sizes and your lengths. Like, you know, we used to just use like a J curl in a 10, 11 and a 12 and that was it. Yeah. So the industry had evolved like quite drastically over the last 15 years. And I think that as it evolved, either you stayed interested and grew with it uh, because you enjoyed it or you could see the power of what was changing. Yeah. Or you tape it off. Yeah. 
So how did you go from being a lash... So you used to own a salon, right? Yeah. How did you go from being a lash artist to then being a distributor for Lashbox LA? So my curiosity with education, right? Because I wanted to continue to deliver more. And every time I took another class, I was like, we can do more and we can do more. And as the lash trays evolved and as we could see that we could deliver some kind of volume, but it was still taking a long amount of time. So... We had paid to bring an educator up from Melbourne to Sydney to train some of my staff and a couple of girls from local studios. And I was asking questions about like the level of density that I could see on Instagram. Mm. Now, this was seven and a half, eight years ago, like when Instagram first launched. If you can scroll back far enough on my Lash Tonic page, you'll see like (laughs) the garbage that I posted and the garbage lashes that I was still doing, um, even through all those trainings. you know, so when, when I had that educator in our studio, I said, what's going on with these lashes? Like, this is a crazy amount of volume. Like, is this damaging lashes? Like, how are they doing that? Because the lash weight counts that I'd been taught with 0.07 and 0.6, I was like, that's not possible to deliver yeah. that kind of density. Um, and I was told it was all Photoshop. And I thought, well, these girls in Canada and these girls in the UK and these girls in the USA that own salons like me, I ain't got time for Photoshop. Mm. I had six staff. Right, like creating a post and curating that and posting that out and communicating with my clients and running that busy schedule. I didn't have time to do Photoshop. Was the, yeah. the Valencia filter on Instagram good enough? I don't know. <laughs> if you scroll back far enough, I've used that. I, that. <laughs> I used to use that. Yeah. Um, you know, so when, when I was looking at that, I was like, there's no way this is Photoshop. Like I could understand like a brand or a supply store having the team or the capacity to do that. And my background in marketing, I... I did visual merchandising when I first came out of school and I learned a little bit about graphic design, but I was no pro with it. And I was like, there's no way these salon owners are doing that to create that kind of density. So that's what encouraged me to jump on a plane and go and take the class. And my initial curiosity of like, this has got to be a problem. Like this has got to be damaging lashes. You know, that, that was a real challenge for me to, to look at that and, but be open enough to jump on a plane and take that chance to see what it is that they were doing and how did the math check out and how could people learn to deliver that in one day? Yeah. Because it was like a whole nother level above the volume that we were delivering. So that was, that was my, that was my pivotal point. And when I went to LA, my experience in the six months prior to my class was I jumped on their website and it was like online shopping. Like we are truly blessed as, as business professionals to jump on websites these days and, and have a blissful shopping experience because yeah. years before that... There was no Shopify. No, there was no Shopify. Mm. There were no websites that functioned the way that we have them these days and I would fill out an Excel spreadsheet yeah. and fax it off yeah. or take a photo of it or pick up the phone and call a customer yeah. service team and be like, can I have this and can I have that? Um, so the ordering process was completely different. So when I hopped on their website, I shit you not, I spent probably 20... I think it was 2000 it was around 2500 US dollars with shipping. It might have been a little bit more at the time on stock mm. from their site because the shopping experience was so much fun. It was like That's so it was like online shopping, right? But the color of the products and the way they were presented and I was still thinking like these are 
these look too good to be true. Mm. Was I was still buying tweezers from there, lashes from here, glue from there, challenges with different things with staff, hiding things in drawers because nothing looked uniform, mm. you know, and we were a full service salon. So we, we did cosmeceutical skincare, we did cosmetic tattoo, but all of our cosmeceutical skincare lines, like everything looked uniform. We could have it out on the bench, both in the treatment room for professional size and for our retail. But with my lash supplies, there was still like hidden in a drawer. Mm. So looking at the lash box stuff, I was like, this stuff looks good. But secretly I was still like, it, it looks too good to be true. Like, are these products just pretty? Mm. Um, and when they arrived, I found that they had changed my speed with application. Like my Russian volume speed was much quicker because I was making more effective fans. And that came down to how they were lined on the strip. Yeah. And I didn't know that it, I didn't need to take another class. I needed to work with a higher quality product because time is money. And a smart business owner will see that. If you've got to make 10 dodgy fans to make 10 good ones, then you probably need to find a different type of lash supply that works better with your pickup technique. Yeah. And when you find that, you can be completely liberated. Like I was shaving off half an hour off my Russian volume set. So now I was down to two and a half hours and I was like, yeah, this, I can make money with this. And my staff were more profitable with lashes. So I was like willing to push them more in the business mm. because they were now making the same margin as all of our other services. Like yeah. I love the effect and the way that a client was so wowed by that but it was purely passion because we were just breaking even on those services yeah. until we found a more effective way. And I think that, that that was really powerful for me was was seeing that the products worked and that they were functional. They worked for me and they worked for the way we were trained. So that was that was one one really important factor. And when I reached out to Sylvia, like I had questions about the adhesive, right? Whenever you switch to a new glue, it takes a lot of observation and you can look at your hygrometer and assess what's going on. But when you can learn to observe your adhesive curing and how it's functioning, in my environment that I work in now, and even, even in the salon environment, I could tell you before there was a storm rolling over the mountain at like two o'clock in the afternoon, the storm would hit around six o'clock because the way my glue would function would change. Mm. I wouldn't see the immediate change on the hygrometer, but I knew it was coming. And because you've got doors and your environment changes and you know, like doors open, you really should have a well-ventilated environment anyway. Um, those impacts you'll feel on your adhesive. But when I reached out to Sylvia and Kate, who founded the brand in LA, I had questions and she just open-handedly answered them. It didn't matter what time of day or night. No question was too hard for her. And that wasn't the experience that I'd had with other suppliers. You know, like I'd reach out and be like, there's something going on here. And they'd be like, oh, it's the primer that you're using from there. Or it's the, you know, how long have you had your glue open? Or, you know, like there was never really an answer. It was just... It was like, come and take our class or, you know, like it was no support. Yeah, there was no support and no explanation. And I think that some of the suppliers that I was buying from either didn't have the answer or they didn't want to give the answer. So for those that did have the answer, they didn't want to give it unless you came and took the class. Whereas Sylvia was so open with that information that when I was told that it was Photoshop, I called bullshit. Mm. And it wasn't just one educator, it was two. It was the one that we brought to the salon and the other one that I'd had a problem with another one of their products and I'd reached out and I was asking questions about what was going on. And it was a really challenging time, you so know, like trying to work that out. a lot of people assume that, um, like what you said, they were willing to help you and tell you the information. Yeah. They, were, they were open yeah. books. Some people out there think they need to gatekeep 
in order to be successful well, because other people will either copy or emulate what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But in your instance, you found that that was more of a reason why you wanted to work with them. Yeah. And I know firsthand that you are like that with all your students and your customers, customers yeah. through your DMs. I just said before mm. we started the podcast that if yeah. there is a DM <laughs> waiting in Bridget's inbox, she will answer it, but she won't just answer <laughs> it. She will literally delve into what they want. They asked mm. in and f- give a thorough answer sometimes it's a complicated answer right like sometimes you need to understand where the comprehension skill is with the product like do you understand how to use the product correctly is it that we're using too much or not enough or how is it that we're storing the product are we using it in the right conditions like you know with priming lashes there's different ph's right and that comes down to different lash porosity so sometimes when when come when customers come to me with a question I have to ask a lot of questions mm. in order to give them the right answer. And if I've got to fill a gap in their education um, or help them understand something differently, I'm always willing to do that open-handedly because that's the same integrity that Sylvia and Kate gave me as a customer in order for me to learn their products and learn their range. And when I did that, I had my volume sets down to two hours. Does that make sense? So yeah. it was one thing with the fan making, but when you're able to level up your retention because you're taking your power back and you understand how your adhesive works because somebody spent the time with you um, to write, an, and I started doing that by writing adhesive diaries, right? And when my staff learned to work with their adhesive better, they were able to get better retention. Like, And that's liberating because then you don't feel like you're a failure. Your client comes back and you're like, oh, look, yeah, I have less work and we have the same amount of time today. Yeah, Like how brilliant is that? Mm. like it takes the pressure off I think that's something that a lot of lash artists can speak to because retention is one of those things Mm -hmm. that can make or break your business yeah and someone coming back with full lashes at let's say two Mm -hmm. three weeks it saves you so much time Mm -hmm. and it's so great for your reputation as well right like retention is such an important aspect of being a great well-performing lash artist yeah but it is a really complicated topic, right? Absolutely. So there's one thing is isolation, right? We all need to isolate. And we know how important that is. And we spend hours and hours and hours learning how to hold those tweezers and isolate lashes without pushing the eye open. But your integrity at the end of your set to double check for stickies because our lashes run in layers. Mm. Like we isolate vertically, right? But what about those horizontal layers? If we're not physically checking and if anybody saw... When I, when I did Deanna's, like, we're going to have to turn that into a reel, by the way. I already made a TikTok, love. Oh, I it's haven't already seen up it. And I've tagged you. I haven't been on TikTok yet. Mm. I spent too much time on Instagram this morning. I've told Bridget, stop. Because we, we're friends, we hang out. And she, we're sitting on the couch and she's scrolling through reels. And I'm like, and I'm on TikTok. And she's showing me reels. But as, if you know TikTok, TikTok's like weeks ahead of reels (laughs) i'm like babe i've seen all this jump on tiktok (laughs) she's trying to corrupt me to tiktok TikTok. i'm like you're you're so behind i already spend a lot of hours on social media when we're answering a lot of the questions so i think that like having a platform that you can you can really connect with your customers is important Mm. but i am going to try and do more tiktok yes so the integrity of like checking those lashes at the end which i will release a reel that shows that when i did that on deanna's lash line is really important, right? That's part two of your of retention, right? Preparing the lashes correctly and making sure that there's no dirt, dust, oils, debris, dead skin cells, dead demodex, sebaceous secretions on those lashes, right? Like mm. that's that's really powerful. But if you use a, a lash cleanser that is too astringent or isn't pH balanced, yeah. that can throw that out, right? So 
working with something that is high quality that, that meets that expectation every time is step one when we cleanse. And you totally take your power back when it comes to retention for that. Now, if we went into something like priming lashes, well, there's different levels of lash porosity. So when somebody has a problem with retention, it's not always the glue, right? But you can see that we're already at so many stages and we haven't even gotten to lash attachment yet or observing your adhesive or your temperature or your humidity. Yeah. So when a customer reaches out with a problem, it's really important that you can dive into all of these aspects. And even if they're working with a product from another brand, um, understanding how that product might function, I can't always speak for other products, but if we're using like a high alcohol primer, that's gonna dehydrate the lashes even further, right? So that can lead to a poor retention where lashes will flake off because it'll take a portion of that cuticle when we put pressure on them or when we sleep face first or if we're too vigorous with brushing them. Like another thing for retention when somebody's struggling with that is if we lash baby lashes or teenage lashes like early anagen or catagen lashes that have four or eight millimetres of growing room inside a three-week window, if that's an early anagen, like that lash is going to grow up and throw up a gang sign. Yeah. Your client's going to wash her lashes and immediately go in with a brush with wet lashes, which they should be dry before we brush them, right? because that brush is gonna spin and get caught on that natural lash and pull out that now teenage lash and start the cycle again. Mm. So a week and a half later, there's now the baby lash there. So that shortens retention as well. So choosing what we're lashing when we're lashing and how we're working within the layers and your integrity is one thing. Preparing the lashes correctly, that's a whole nother thing. Making sure that you know how to observe and work with your glue. Uh, you can work with any adhesive once you learn how to observe it working with a high quality adhesive. There's different grades of adhesive on the market, like cyanoacrylate goes through different distilling processes. Mm. And that used to typically be really evident in the marketplace by the price of adhesive, right? Mm. You're either paying for a high quality adhesive or you're buying a cheap adhesive and you could smell it, right? Like if we went out to go and have shots tonight or mm. went out to have cocktails, which we will. We will. Um, maybe not shots, but cocktails. <laughs> I have to I have a class tomorrow. This but is two episodes now I've mentioned alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> right. But like if we were going to shot something, we're not going to shot something that's, you know, like like Smirnoff Red. Right. We're going to kind of pick something that's like a like a higher grade, something that is still going to go down like petrol. Right. Yeah. But it's not going to burn as much. Right. Yeah. It's going to be a little smoother. Now, acrylates perform in the same way. Right. When they go through different levels of purification and distilling, they they have a higher quality. So, you know, like working with a higher grade acrylate will definitely get you a better better result but only if you know how to work with it because you can still work with a really low grade acrylate with a properly prepared surface really well and get an optimum retention if you know what you're doing right but I just don't want to breathe that in mm. I'd rather work with something that's a little more pure does that make sense yeah so it's a little I think when you get to retention it's those little tiny tiny, tiny things yeah. that you need to focus on yeah. to get you to that next level yeah. right because there's there's things that are going to be the bulk of yeah. the retention, but then there's those little things that'll get yeah. you to that next level. And that's the difference that you see between lash artists yeah. and lash artists. Right. So you can be a lash technician, you can be a lash service provider, you can be a lash artist, and then you can be a master lash artist, mm. right? And for me, I consider myself a master lash artist, but anybody who's got a question with a problem, whether it comes to a product or their application, I'm willing to take them from point A to point B to give them the answer because Sylvia gave me the same time Why do and you Lydia do that? gave me the same time because you're worthy of it, right? I had seven years, seven or nearly eight years of like rubbish suppliers that weren't giving me information. Like I was paying to use their products. Mm. Like we would spend thousands of dollars a year with them 
you know, like, and if you're having a problem, that's a level of support that you got, that I got from my, like our, our clinical dermal therapy suppliers, like advanced skin technology. We used Aspect, PCA and Societe in our studio. They have reps that come out to the yeah. salons and they sit down and go through the product mm -hmm. education with you. So it, it makes sense so, to expect the same. Like with reps is great, right? But you don't always have the time to do that. But no. we had like education days yeah. that you could go to. Um, sometimes they cost money and sometimes they were free. Uh, but I always had somebody I could pick up the phone and call, yeah. especially if I had a problem, you know? And, and these days you can now reach them on social media. And I find that through social media, that's where a lot of girls will reach out because they don't have the time to answer the phone when mm. they're working on clients. So I think that being there to support them in the same way that I receive support through every other industry supplier is really foundational and important. And it's probably led to a lot of our success globally for Lashbox. Yeah. And, and partnering with other women that inspire you, challenge you to think differently or to, to want to learn more so that you can share more and share open-heartedly. And I don't care if I've got another supplier that's got a question, I'll answer it. Yeah because that helps them help more. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that's how we level up the industry. That, that There's no gatekeeping. It doesn't, it doesn't matter who it is. There is no gatekeeping. Yeah, that was gonna be my next question. You seem like you have a great mindset and you have a, you have a growth mindset and I love that, right? Mm -hmm. How do you foster that? What do you think enables you to keep growing and being the positive person that you are, but still seeking, you're always seeking to learn more, right? Yes. You never stop being a student. Mm -hmm. What do you think mm -hmm. enables you to do that I think that taking your ego out of it, you never know it all. And often I'll re-challenge what I think. And like when somebody comes to me with something and I go, oh, that doesn't make sense. I'll look at the science behind mm -hmm. how and why. I'll ask them to explain. I'll do my own research and then you come to your own conclusion. But I think that always being open to learn something from anyone is really important. I learn a lot from my students, right? Every class I take, I learn something from that student. Being open to that means that you continue to grow. When we stop learning, we stop growing. Yeah, absolutely. And when we stop giving, our cup starts to feel empty. I find that I keep this mindset because I give and because I know I'm adding value to somebody's life, because I know that I'm not leaving somebody in the dark. And I know that if, I, if they can take one tip or trick that adds to their lash life, that helps them, we overall create a better industry, both for the clients and for the lash artists. Yeah. What's something that you teach your students and they're always like, wait, what? Like it blows oh, their man, mind. I feel so like many. a mega volume class would do that a lot though, wouldn't it? Yeah, there is. But there's so many things that blow their minds um, and it depends on what their foundational education was to begin with, mm. right? And what gaps might have been in that. But sometimes I'm always shocked by the aha moments in class and I don't think there's ever, ever a thing as a stupid question. It's only the question that was never asked, yeah. right? If you keep that inside and try and solve that on your own without asking for that advice, you might not agree with it or you might need to like dive into that a little more, but science is really logical. So I don't really know what the most profound aha moment would be for students, but there's a, there's a lot of truth bombs that happen in class and a lot of dots that connect for a lot of my students. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything you want to ask, Diana? Oh, I was just listening. <laughs> I know. You're a captivating speaker. 
Oh, so it's you. it's you can see the passion roll off you so easily. Yeah. So it's thank really you. easy to talk to someone like she this. She loves who what just, she does. Yeah. That's just, the thing. She loves what she does. Yeah. Like, and genuinely. I've, I've never had like a proper conversation with you. And now sitting here, I'm she's, just like, she's like I, I, hands down, one of the like, best. Walk, you, you walk the walk, mm. you know. You can't just talk the talk. Yeah. You've got to back that up. And, and I, I really like that. I think honest. that this is a multi-billion dollar industry as a niche within the beauty industry. And I think that there's a lot of women that are in this for the money. Mm. For me, I'm in this because I know how lonely I felt in lashing and how isolated I felt and how ripped off I felt when a supplier would not give me an answer or gatekeep information. Um, I learned that I felt ripped off when I came across Lashbox because the way Sylvia and Kate just fed love into me and the way I grew as a lash artist when I met Lydia and the just the love and support that she has for this industry and Tress is like on a whole nother level like the education team that Lashbox has cultivated is wild and it's like the amount of brains and the amount of giving and the amount of knowledge that we all share with each other that's how you continue to grow and I just want that same experience for every other lash artists that I come into contact with. Yeah. Because yeah. I know you don't have to work with something completely the way I do, right? Lashbox changed my lash life. That's why I loved it. Mm. So when Kate gave me the opportunity to bring it to our country, they had already aligned another distributor. And I kept asking, like, when are you gonna have another when are you gonna have somewhere that I can buy this stuff here, right? I'm sick of paying the freight, right? Yeah. And we'd had to tack onto our insurance policy because we were buying these supplies from overseas. So if you're not buying your lash supplies in Australia, a lot of insurance policies won't cover you for international purchases yeah. because you're deemed the manufacturer when you bring it into the country. So we were paying like an add-on on our insurance policy. We, we, we were also using like um, Pie Brows cosmetic tattoo. Some people call it Fee Brows. We were using Pie Brows cosmetic tattoo supplies before they were here in Australia as well. So we already had that portion on our insurance policy, but I really wanted to like cut it down like because it was mm. expensive and I wasn't really the manufacturer I was just buying product from overseas so being savvy in business knowing that I like I needed to reduce that was really important and when Kate gave me the opportunity at first I didn't think that I could do it I was like no no, no just let me know like you've already had somebody in the works like when are they going to be doing it like I just want to be able to order from here mm. And so you initially she, didn't, you were scared to take I'd it opened on. A, I'd opened the second cosmetic tattoo studio. We'd opened our second oh, studio. So and you were in a completely like, different place. You weren't yeah. even thinking about doing it. Mm, yeah, no, I wasn't. It oh, wasn't, it so wasn't even on my cards. Mm. Um, but I think Sylvia saw something in me when I took that class. And when I had those questions, she could see that I wanted to learn more. Yeah. Mm. And she could see that I was willing to apply that information and she could see what I'd already done. And I think that that was probably what helped with that. Like I was definitely curious and interested and I had questions, but at first I was like, when I, when I originally opened the message, I was like, oh, well, that wasn't what I was asking in that message. I was asking, when are you going to have someone? But that's really interesting and I'll think about it. Yeah. Um, and it, I was willing to jump on a plane and go over there to see what it was all about. And I think that that, that was what solidified it for me. I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, this is possible. Yeah. yeah. I think that other women need this. But after a year and a half, after we'd brought the products here, I realized that I needed to be in a more of a support role. Um, and the education team that we'd created here in Australia were missing the mark 
for the experience that I was given. Mm. And that was when I, I worked on stepping into that role right. because found, foundationally that is a really powerful place to be. And if you can give open-heartedly in a way that not everybody can because you actually want the best for them, Mm. that's where the magic happens. And that's where, where the magic happens for the customer too. Wow. I'm blown away. Like yeah, I, 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 I talk, like I, we talk about this, this just listening to you. It just, this is why you need to do your research when you find a lash educator. Cause there's this Ooh. and then there's, and again, there's like a certain level of capacity with that as well. She's right? getting comfortable. See, I am. Sitting, I am cozy she, she could talk all day. Too. You need to, you need to split this into a couple of episodes, I think, cause we'll probably go too long. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, like when you take your first class, you don't know anything, right? So you're learning from a place of zero mm. and you know this, right? With the educator course, right? Yeah. When we teach educators to be educators. And this is something that I learned over the years. And this is why I, I truly believe that there's no such thing as a stupid question because you take your first class and you learn a portion of information. And now you have information that you're learning to apply. But once you've got an experience level, that information either makes better sense or you have more questions. But in that first class, whether it was like really high quality and it had every ounce of everything that you would have needed in it, you can still only absorb like what, 20 or 30% of it, mm. right? Once you come from a place of experience, if you went and took that same class, you're already going to learn more, mm. yeah. whether it was good or bad, right? When you come from a place of experience and you take a class from somebody else, you're always going to learn something. Yeah. Even with classes that I take, and I've got another online education that I'm enrolled in that I start on Monday. <laughs> We've carved out some time next week for me to do it, right? So I still do those things, right? I will learn from anybody who's willing to teach me. Mm. And I think that there's always something that you can learn and grow from with that because when you come from a place of experience, you can apply that information differently. You can challenge that information differently. You can use that to work for your best results, whether that be lash mapping, styling, layering, retention, application, attachment angle, mm. learning to work with lashes with a different lash trajectory. Like last night when I assessed your lash line, we noticed that there's downwards, apparently. in one section, right? Yeah. In this one, two to three millimeter section, 50% of her lashes were growing downwards. And I was like, well, I'm going to have to put a longer length there, right? But if we take on all of that information in the beginning, it's too much. It's too much. Yeah. It's overwhelming, right? And then you run the risk of the student actually just picking and grabbing what they remember. Yeah. And it's not necessarily correct. Yeah. Do you think that all of that information should be included in the lash course though? Because this is this well, is yeah, what I, I'm thinking, okay? I do. I think that a lot of the times, you know how people take a course and they're like, oh, that was like really shit. But it's like, I think that sometimes it can be a bombardment of information. information and or, then people just, it's too yeah, much for them. But this is why Bridget doesn't train beginners. Oh, I you do. Don't. Yeah, well, I do, but oh. I'm very selective. Like, I don't roll that out like nationwide. Um, we have beginners in Hobart. Connie nurtures beginners. I take on a small portion of beginners every year, like like six or seven. Okay, right? right. Because I have really high standards for my beginners. Yeah. So when somebody wants to enroll in that class, like I actually interview them, mm. right? And I'm working with with a student at the moment. She's 16. She's just dropping out of high school and I've worked with her, I spoke with her mother and her father before she enrolled in the class. She's willing to apply herself. And she what she's already done, right? Do and you. I guide her, right? So I sent her four voice messages this morning. I spoke to her yesterday, I spoke to her the day before. When I take on a beginner, your, your class doesn't finish after the theory class. After the theory class, I load your brain up with information, right? 
and I give everything that we can in that. Then you'd go on to some practical tasks and then you come for an in-person session. Mm. Then you've got to do five case studies, but you also have a lash layered doll head that I expect you to do four to five sets on every single week. And mm. I want to see photos of it. I want to see the progress with the attachment angle. I want to see the progress with the distance to the lash line. Now, can I give that level to a hundred students a year that are beginners? Yeah. No, nah. but I can for a select few. So when I teach a beginner, and I really don't think that the value that I charge for that covers everything. But I know that I've set somebody up for a fundamental absolutely. lash career. So by the time they get my beginner certificate, they are absolutely willing to run. Yeah. And they're ready to run and they can deliver the retention. Does that make sense? So they, they can start charging at an optimum rate. Like a post came up on my Facebook profile the other day from when I was still in salon. And this was like 13 years ago. I was charging $139 for classic lashes 13 years ago. Mm. I was right? charging $99. Is that a lot? No. It's not enough, right? Like, and like I was spending two hours doing that. Mm. Even then I was like, that was what I mean. Like we had profit bearing services in salon, which was our waxing and our tanning. Like we were charging $45 for a spray tan. And we were doing 38 of them on a Thursday night, right? Mm. Like that was 10 years ago. Yeah. So by comparison, that's a 10 minute service Yeah, it works out with $7 worth of product maximum. If somebody used the hat and the bikini and the sticky feet and we were but like, this is why lash salons became a thing because before lash salons were a thing, it was a service at a beauty salon. Yes. And I would speak to a lot of people saying like beauty therapists, they actually mm. hated doing it. And yeah. I actually had a girlfriend. I think she was working at one of the chain chain essential beauty or something like that yeah. yeah she said she actually hated it because she was running off kpis yeah so she would prefer to do four or five brazilian waxes in right. an hour as opposed to a, a lash set and she wasn't even mm-hmm. good at lash she even said she's like i don't i'm not a lash artist she doesn't I'm love just, it it's just a skill that i had yeah. to learn it's just basic so that's why and, and i think that's the thing as well like you can either nurture that but if you can be profitable with that and like with our volume sets, we were charging $169 for our volume sets, right? They, they still only went for like two and a half hours. Like once I'd found the Lashbox lashes, I was like, this is profitable. Like we, we can do this. And when we shaved it down to two hours and we shaved our classic sets down even further, when we started working with like classic set trays, man, I was smashing out classic sets in an hour and 15 minutes. Mm. Because like the other thing is, is if you touch those antigen lashes, right, that's more work at an infill because they're growing out so far. You've got to pop it off and replace it. Like... And there's, there's more chance that the client's going to pull it out or it's going to twist in the lash line. So for the smart and the savvy lash artist, you don't want to do 100% coverage. Yeah. Like in the very beginning, we were taught to do 100% coverage because like even lashing a fuzz was required so that your client opened her eyes and didn't go, can I put mascara on these? Or like, I thought they were going to be more, which was like a 50-50 split. Mm. But if you could be profitable with lashes from the beginning, which is what I set my beginners up to do, those that do the work, and send through the case studies and take on that constructive criticism and apply it to their next set, I will run the extra mile with them. Yeah. And hold their hand every step of the way. I want to change gears a little bit yeah. because we have gotten a lot of questions yeah. from beginner lash artists. And I yeah. feel like we speak to, you know, we were speaking about how we speak to like the middle ground at the moment. Yeah. There's a lot of people that want to know how to be a better beginner. Yeah. So how would you, is there any tips? I know it's a broad right. question, no, 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 but no. are there any tips here's, that you would here's give my beginners? Answer to that. My answer to that is you've got to crawl before you walk and walk before you run. Yeah. 
She's got an answer for everything. Mm. She's great. I say right? It, I say and it's a process. For ages. No, I say it with love. Like, mm. she's like a world of knowledge. I'm all, constantly in awe listening to this woman. Mm. And I, I think it's a process. So you've, you've got to be willing to continue to apply yourself. You've got to be willing to continue to seek that information. And you can't take everything on at once, right? And this is what I mean when I talk about professional development at the conferences, right? If you are passionate enough and you can apply one extra thing each time you sit down to work on professional development. And when I do professional development, I'm talking like model sets when I'm not working on a client for their wants and needs. Like yesterday was a professional development day for me, right? You said like, I want Chastin. lashes, but I don't want too much of this, right? But you, oh, you were trusted. I thought yeah. you were talking about Chadston. Oh, <laughs> that was, we needed some downtime for shopping. <laughs> Um, but like taking, taking that time to hone in on one thing at a time. So as a beginner, can you be brilliant at everything? No. Can you be brilliant at isolation first? Yes. Mm -hmm. Can you be brilliant at focusing on attachment and really honing in on that second? Yes. Can you then focus on mapping and styling in a more detailed way? In the beginning, if you're a beginner and you're not sure what map to do, follow the natural lash map. Like don't make it too complicated. Yeah. Go one to two millimeters longer max in a C or a C plus curl because you're still going to get a really flattering effect with that. Don't make it so complicated. Don't start playing with complicated curls like D and L and M. Like don't take it all on at once. Perfect one thing at a time. Perfect the isolation. Perfect the attachment angle. Perfect like working with three or four different lengths, right? And just like, is it a is it an inner corner lash? Like that's going to be an eight. And then you're slowly going to progress into nine as that natural lash line progresses up, right? Don't make it so complicated. Focus on those foundational things. Once you've got that, then you can work on the next step, which is more complicated mapping. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. and then you can focus on like how to understand lash porosity in more detail, right? You need to learn it to begin with. Um, but learning how to assess like a matte lash and a natural glossy lash and a super glossy lash can be too much information if you've got 50 other things going on. Mm. One thing at a time is what will get you there. And if yeah. you're dedicated enough to that and you can see the progress with that, that's how you crawl before you walk and you walk before you run. You also have to find an educator who's willing to and who does actually have the information about all this additional mm. knowledge because yeah. some people wouldn't know what they're that You don't know what you don't mm. know. Right. So if there's certain things like what you've mentioned, like lash mm. porosity, I know you, uh, people should. We're that talking anyway. about that. But now. just little things like mm. there's, there's things that you've said that I know some educators and lash artists don't not wouldn't know off the top of their head. No, they wouldn't because they weren't taught it. So, so that's why it's important to find someone knowledgeable well, who can rattle off this stuff like it's second nature to them, like you do. Well, I think that that comes down to continuing to be open to education yeah. and continuing to look for the answers, and taking the ego out of it, right? Mm -hmm. Because just because you know how to do something well doesn't mean that you can't do it better. And just because I do lashes really well, I still learn every year. Yeah. That helps me as an educator. It helps me as a wholesale supplier. It helps me in what I deliver for my clients. You know, like there's, I don't think that there's any rubbish education out there. There's basic, there's intermediate and there's advanced. If you get advanced in the very beginning, unless you have that coaching that I give to those students, which is like holding their hand for three to six months before they launch in at like a really high level rate, because I know that they can deliver on those charges and be profitable from day one because they foundationally understand it and can deliver what they're promising mm -hmm. from day one. Like not everybody can take on that kind of information to begin with, mm -hmm. but focusing on one thing at a time 
and then going and taking another class. Yeah. And then focusing on one thing at a time and going and taking another class. Like if you look at like a beauty therapist, you either do one year solid training or you do a three year apprenticeship. It's a trade skill. Mm. Yes, you can make big money in this industry, like big money profitable, right? I still make bang money working 12 hours a week mm. on clients. You can make great money, but you need to be able to apply yourself and treat it like a trade skill and work on your professional development and work on a mannequin head or do model sets or explore something different where you focus on one thing until you've mastered it and then take on the next challenge. If you are open to that and you treat it in that way, you can earn, you can earn great money. But I think promising a beginner that they can do that without holding their hand the way I do and then teaching them how to build a clientele and working with them one-on-one -on, -one on what works and everybody's business is different and how we all communicate is different. You can go and take a lash class and be promised to earn $150,000 in turnover a year because turnover and profitability are two different things. Mm. Um, and we go, cool, like that, that makes sense. I can do that. But without knowing that how, how to communicate with a customer, like in the last seven years, I've learned how to communicate with our customers, like business professionals in a different way. Um, and I've learned how to communicate with students in a different way that I, that I didn't when I was in salon. But in salon, I'd worked in a professional environment and I'd worked in customer service environments and I'd managed marketing budgets because marketing was my, my thing, right? The salon was my hobby. I had staff in it running it when I worked in marketing, mm. right? I only stepped into the salon full time when I was like 24, turning 25, I think I was 25 when I stepped into the salon full time. I'd had the business since I was 18, but I never stepped into it in a full-time capacity until then. Mm. And that was when we really turned profitable because I was like, I ain't working for this and paying my staff that, Yeah. right? That was when we really took it to another level. But the way that you articulate, like did the marketing get us there? No, it was the communication with the customer. You can go and take a lash course and learn a skill if you're willing to apply yourself and you can be an amazing lash artist, but if you don't know how to communicate with a customer or deliver an offer, or communicate why retail is so important, have your clients on board, those, they're foundational skills that'll either make or break your business. Mm -hmm. Do you wanna make $250,000 a year? Or do you wanna to struggle to make $120,000 a year, take out your overheads and operational costs and you know you can go and work for somebody else, Yeah. right? Yeah. Like they're the differences, so. I think that there's a lot of success stories in the lash mm. industry, right? And I think yeah. that that's so important when we work in an industry full of women where mm -hmm. we're paving the way in a way that no one else has been able mm -hmm. to, you know yeah. what I mean? Like there's so many there's so many industry leaders and that's really amazing, but there's a lot of beginners that struggle with the motivation because mm -hmm. it's easy to look at someone like you and be like, oh my God, but I could never get there. Well, we all start off with zero. So if anybody really wants to go on a stalk, Lash Tonic, the Instagram. <laughs> it used to be my boutique beauty Penrith Instagram, we'll right? On the screen. Salon, right? Yeah, we'll add it on, right? <laughs> Go back and look at the rubbish lashes I was still doing, right? And some of those photos that I was posting on Instagram were taken like two and three years beforehand because we had photos on our website, right? That was and the best Facebook, we could deliver. Facebook the Facebook, pages. right? The Facebook pages, right? So I took the content that we had on our on our Facebook page at the time and then started loading that into Instagram. It didn't really work. They were mm. like stacked images, they didn't present well, like they were rubbish, right? But we all start off with zero, zero information. And when somebody gives you their time and is willing to give you the information, if your ego can be dropped down and you can be open to receiving that, anything's fucking possible. Absolutely. You can shoot for the stars. When somebody believes in you and they love you and they know that you're worthy of that, 
which I believe in every single one of my students. Are they all open enough to take on the information? Not always, mm. right? And there's limits to what they're willing to take on. I can't fix that. Only they can with their own mindset. Yeah. Uh, but if you can take that information on and apply it and modulize it, you can grow. But we all start off with zero. Zero experience, zero understanding, zero application. Do you still struggle with motivation? Sometimes I do. No, I was going to say, Bridget's really big on, from what she said to me, which resonates with me, discipline. Mm. Even yes. if she's having a rubbish day, mm. it's discipline from doing it mm. so often for many years. She just gets it done. Yeah, I get that. So I've pushed my personal limits in both business when I worked in marketing, like what I could achieve on small budgets and what we could deliver was wild. Um, and I learned a lot by working in that professional environment. Like I was working for a board of directors in pubs and clubs. I was 21 when I was headhunted for the role. I took on a marketing role that was like far too big for me. Um, they offered me an obscene amount of money and I took it and I was like, yeah, cool, I can do this. Mm. What I didn't realise is there was like a team of four people that they were like sacking in order to like pave way, yeah. like they were culling, right? And, and I took on this project that was like astronomical and it was almost like, I can't do this, right? but I had the right guidance and support to get me there. When I applied those same skills to business, when I worked for myself, that was how I got there. But it's the discipline to show up every day. Like we had a full service salon. I had trading hours that were on my website and that were on our salon front door that if we were meant to be there from nine till nine, we were there from nine till nine. Yeah. You didn't come past and the door was locked and I was out getting a coffee or I was out getting my hair done, right? Mm. I might've wanted to do that if I had a gap, but I never told the client that, oh, I've been quiet this morning. How have you been? Great. I've been busy. Yeah. I'm so glad to have you here. Like, let's go through, right? You know, like the, there's certain aspects about how to communicate with customers and, and that discipline to be there and to continue to work on the business, even if you'd had a cancellation or to work in the business when you needed to, that that is really foundational and important. And what I think Deanna is referring to is we'd had a conversation after the conference and if anybody's watched my Instagram for the last six weeks leading up until the International Lash Masters Conference in, in Sydney, I was traveling. in, yeah, I was traveling, right? I had a week off in America with my partner, which was brilliant. It's the first holiday we've had in a really long time. We had a great time. <laughs> uh, we did some fun things that he wanted to do. And then I tacked on the Lash Boss uh, Summit. Summit, Lash Boss Summit uh, at the end. And I met with the girls in Canada and we caught up, but I was working from the road, right? The way I have that discipline to get up in the morning and to deal with that Instagram inbox, whether I feel good or feel rubbish or whatever it is, is because I know that there's people there that are worthy of the answer. And I know that I absolutely need to do it and I'll do it. doesn't matter what time zone I'm on, right? We got back from that. And then I, I flew back. I was in Sydney for, for like one day. And then I was in Perth for a training. And then I was back in Sydney and I saw my clients for four days. Where was I after that? Here. You didn't go anywhere else. It's been two weeks. Oh, it has been, right? <laughs> I mean, right so there's, there's so there's so much that happens, right? And the reason why I can fit all of that in, can you run this pace all year wrong? No, mm. no way. But the discipline to still get up and show up and do the things comes from the discipline that I had in salon to be there for the trading hours, to do the things that needed to be done, to get my Baz quarters done on time, to understand the numbers, to work on the marketing, to teach my staff to communicate better, to me to learn how to communicate better with customers, to go to things like beauty expos, to go to conferences, to learn how to do things better, to take those additional educations and trainings, to continue to look for more because my staff and my clients were worth that. Yeah. 
I think a lot of, I think what I'm seeing anyway is that the younger kind of newer wave of lash artists sometimes struggle with developing that discipline. Mm -hmm. So it's great to hear you talk about what challenged you to create that. It's it's It's, a mindset. It's it's, a choice. It's a choice. And you can feel completely overwhelmed and worthless if you start comparing yourself to others. I don't look at what my competitors are doing. Mm. If anything, that inhibits you from moving forward. Yes. When you start absorbing what everyone else is doing, you start comparing yourself, you start feeling inadequate, you start Mm. getting imposter syndrome, Mm -hmm. and then you give up and you have to revamp yourself again or re-energize yourself. It's it's not tough. It's tough. It's draining. It's it's, it's self-draining. Yeah, it's it's self-toxic, right? Like you you create that. Self-sabotage. So I like to keep in touch with the market to see where... I can learn more from and new educations and trainings, right? And I like to connect with people that share with me um, and that I share with, right? And I think that that's really important. But when it comes to like looking at what your competitors are doing and comparing yourself, like I don't want to do that. Even in salon, like I didn't base my prices off what Sally up the road was charging or what Susie down the road was charging. I, when I sat down and I looked at the numbers, we reworked that based on the numbers, right? At a certain level of overheads that we had to deliver to. But if I tried to make that comparison, you know, like it doesn't matter how long she's been lashing for. You don't know what skills she's got. Like there's so much that goes into business and goes into that, those lessons for a beginner that you can't take it all on overnight, but you also shouldn't be looking at what other people are doing and replicating that because you don't know that it's working. Yeah. The discipline to show up and go, I'm going to try this and see if it works. And if that doesn't work, I'm going to try a referral, a friend referral program, right? You don't post that on your social media, right? You yeah. just open that up for everyone else, right? Yeah. Like I never built my clients on social media and I still think to this day, like your social media is your gallery and your portfolio of work, but it's not always necessarily where you acquire all of your clients. You'll get some fangirls or some, some customers that will see you on social media and like connect with you in that way. But there's so many other avenues for you to build a business that you just need to try other things. Now, the referral program works like, if you want to take a portion off your full sets and give a discount to the client that made the referral, you have that personal conversation. You don't do it with Sally that shows up late at every appointment, right? Yeah. She's got chaos going on in her life and she's talking about her friends and she's got like, you know, you, you look at that client and go, do I want more of you? Because your yeah. friends are probably like you, mm. right? You have a client that shows up and she's always on time and she is a mom and she takes an appointment during school hours, right? And she's, she, like, she might need to cancel once or twice a year, but, you know, she pays you your rates and she adheres to your cancellation policy. Do you want more of her? That's who you put in the referral mm. program. Mm. You say, hey, Susie, you know, like, would you mind recommending any of your friends? Yeah. You know, you ask for, uh, like, reviews on social media and ask for reviews on Google, right? You know how many people search for lashes near me on Google? Mm. They're active people that are looking for your services. They're not searching hashtag lashes. Where, what yeah. suburb are we in? Ivanhoe. Ivanhoe, right? Like some people might be, mm. but a good portion of the market are hopping on maps or Google and punching that in yeah. or into a search engine platform. So, you know, like there's, you know, having a website, having a, a Google My Business listing, there's so many other areas. Like, and you, like one thing isn't going to work to build your business. So putting all of your energy only into social media and comparing against others, that's not... That's not where all of the magic happens. It's about trying lots of different things and like picking up a little here and a little there and a little there and a little there and learning how to communicate with that customer that'll cultivate that relationship where they'll never leave you. Yeah, absolutely.
from a marketing perspective, they say that businesses should be like visible in different capacities as well. Mm. Because it also, if your customers are getting snippets of you and seeing, Mm -hmm. oh, she's over there too. Oh, there she's again. They see you a number of times and they have to see you about seven times before they even want to like buy from you or something like that. Yeah. 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 So it's kind of the same. And I I think the same is true with service providing appointments, right? Like either somebody's going to connect with you or they're not. Mm. And like sometimes you guys have for sure experienced this. I have in the past where a client comes in at her very first appointment. I'm like, oh, it's not my vibe. Mm. You're not my vibe. Mm. Right. And like if you were to have her in your refer a friend program, like what do you think you're going to get more of? Right. But like is every client going to be your client? No, you don't own your clients. Yeah. You can build relationships with them and they can choose to continue to see you and can choose continue to support your business and you can thank them for that. Like I still do gifts at Easter and Christmas for my clients. That's cute. Right? Like I love doing that. I love treating them. They still can cho- continue to choose me after all of these years. They don't have to. Mm. Like you can get good quality lashes almost anywhere these days. And I think that when it comes to a beginner, can you do all of that at once? Would that seem like a mammoth task? Like you're learning a skill, you're learning how to run a business, you're learning how to, um, how to balance your books, how to take payments, how to run your booking system, what booking system is going to work best, how to acquire clients. Like, is it a progress and a process? Like that's your discipline to show up every day and continue to work on it. A dream is just a dream. If you can't apply yourself and you don't have a plan, then it's just going to be a dream, right? Yeah. If you can show up every day and give whatever it is that you have that day. Like some days I show up and I don't have 100% in the tank, but I have the discipline to do the absolute required tasks that need to be done. Even when I've got a migraine, I'll come into the office. Normally, like I get, a, I get migraines every month, right? And they, they throw a huge curveball. They're hormonal. So they throw a huge curveball in my week and my planning. And I'm very grateful that I haven't had to cancel a training day yet, right? But the when they happen like i still do everything that i absolutely need to do before i call it quits mm. for the day and and if that's 50 percent that i've got in the tank that day i still give 100 of that 50 percent for what needed to be done yeah. right and if i've got 100 percent in the tank that day i'm going to give 100 of that percent and that's the discipline that i'm talking about some days i can only achieve this much other days i can achieve this much Having the expectation to achieve this much every day is foundationally the problem with growth, right? If you can show up and do this much every day and work on one thing every day that is getting you closer to your dream or closer to your goal, that's what you need to do, right? It's not about being motivated. You know, motivation comes and goes and people talk about it as a feeling consistency and discipline to show up and do one thing if that's the only one thing you can do in that day is foundationally important i think it's important to have this conversation because a lot of a lot of the vibe these days is everybody wants instant gratification everybody sees and it's a hustle culture yeah everyone sees the success story and they think that it takes (laughs) overnight to get there right like (laughs) I think that when we try to do everything all at once, it creates a hustle culture, which can lead to burnout. Mm. So you don't have to give everything all of the time. You just need to show up and do one 
thing every day or every week to get you closer to there. That's what a beginner needs to know. But you saying that beginners can't do everything at the same time. There's there's one a, thing at there's a time. A, there's a misconception that it, everything instantly happens. No, when you're doesn't. a beginner, I think these days people forget that it does take a lot of hard work to get to where you want to be. Yeah. But it's not going to all happen at once. It can take years of doing, focusing on one thing yeah. at a time mm. to get to where people see you Absolutely. are or where people see I am or where people see Diana is. It's not overnight. Mm-hmm. And if we were, if we loved instant gratification we would not be where we are today no i wouldn't i I wouldn't either you put in the work you see it in three years right but sometimes you can put in the work and see it immediately and sometimes you put in the work and you see it incrementally Mm. so that's what i mean when it's like when it comes to growing a business and growing your skills you've got to continue to work on it and you've got to continue to try other avenues you can't give up right you well you can give up but i wouldn't yeah because i know I know the it's impact. It's the best that you way to have. solidify your mistakes or any anything that's happened. You don't know what you're capable of if you don't apply yourself. Mm. So you mentioned professional development, mm-hmm. and I know we've just had the conference, and you've helped me out so much in like preparing it, providing advice, even attending and yeah. having Lashbox a sponsor at the conference, mm. and now you're hosting Lash Social. So I was like, you invited me to the Brisbane one, and I thought it was good. What is your intention behind hosting these Lash Socials, and why are they important? I think. That I think we mentioned earlier that you can be really lonely and lashing and lonely in business when people don't want to share with you. Uh, I think that if you're open to going to more industry events, whether they're free or whether they're ticketed, if you can make connections. So, for example, you started the conferences in 2019, right? Mm-hmm. And I reached out to you on Instagram. I was like, oh, my God, I'm so excited. I bought a ticket. Um, I want to come. Is there anything I can help with? And you were like, And Connie MC. Yeah. Why do you want to help? Like, why do you? Yeah. I was paranoid. Right. Because I don't, I I have trust issues, mate. And and your intention behind that was to build relationships and friends, right? Which you've spoken about vocally over the years. And Mm -hmm. I I think that foundationally, that's what adds value to the industry. But we've become great friends through that. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you can connect and communicate with other women in our industry that understand your challenges, right? Well, I've tried that and it didn't work. Oh, well, I tried and it worked, right? What was different with what we tried, right? Like if you can meet women and, and connect and go, oh, well, I tried, I tried it, but I, I, I put this spin on it or I spoke to my client this way about it or I printed that and handed it to my client, right? Mm. Oh, shit, well, maybe I should try that, right? If we can do that then we, and we can share openly with each other in the way we do with business, yeah. that's, it doesn't only, it makes you feel less alone. Can you share as openly with everybody? No. Not always, right? You, but can you add value to somebody else's lash life and connect? And like, we have a really open relationship, right? Mm. Deanna always knows what I've got coming up next and what I'm working on because I'm so open with her. If you can trust somebody that much that just wants the best for you in return, we wouldn't have that if it wasn't for the conference. And I know that there's lots of women within this industry that feel isolated and they feel alone. And they feel the way I did before I found Lashbox. And they don't have somebody to chant for them or to support them or they're not ready to invest in another class. But if they can come to an event and make one friend who gets the business that they're in, who understands the challenges that they go through, that can make a connection, that can add value to their Lash life, that can collaborate on something or share their ideas or talk about what worked and what didn't work. Is every single person you ever met in your life added value in like a really big way? 
but there are but there are gems that you meet right you have to foster the positive relationships and if you see a good bond forming with someone especially in this Mm -hmm. in the in the lash industry Mm -hmm. i know some people see others as competitors and things like that but if you actually have a positive relationship with someone without any malice or you don't Mm -hmm. think that they're going to screw you over it can actually be a beautiful thing and that's what i'm trying to foster yeah is that going to happen with every connection that happens at these events no but I've made some really foundational relationships over the years that I worked in marketing and through the salon. Like I've got clients that I still connect with. I've got friends from the pubs and club industry that I still connect with, mm. right? And I've made friends in this industry that I still connect with. And we all grow together. Like, for example, like one of my oldest friends that, that I've met through business and that I've worked with in business had me speaking on a startup entrepreneurs board for local government recently. You know, like there's opportunities that will foster and pop out of different areas. If you are willing to be open with people and to collaborate with them and to share with them open heartedly, is everybody going to treat you with the same integrity? Is somebody going to like rip one of your ideas and copy it or, you know, not treat you with the same level of respect? Like there's always a chance for that. But if you're not open to the good that you could find in other people and the good that you can give to other people, and if you can share open-heartedly, somebody's going to do the same thing with you. And that's how you grow. Yeah. Both in business and with relationships and whether it feels less lonely. It's nice to, you know, my very first ever lash friend that I had was on the other side of the country. Yeah. She lives in, she lives in Hobart, right? She's been one of my lash friends for years. Connie, Hobart Lash and Brow Social. Check her out. <laughs> She's one of our educators now, right? But like, like Connie is one of my closest lash girlfriends, but... She shared with me and I shared with her and we grew together. Yeah. You know, like, is it, I think it's wild that she had to be on the other side of the country, like in Hobart. Why couldn't I have a lash friend in my own hometown? And that's what I'm trying to foster. So with these social events, you know, the reason why we launched them last minute is because they always book out. Like the one in Brisbane, we had Mm. 34 women and we had like a nine to 10 day lead time with advertising that. Either you're available on those weekends or you're not, right? Mm. The reason why I don't generally advertise them so far in advance is because, you know, we've got a life outside of lashes and work too yeah. that needs to be fostered. So it's depending on your, obviously, because you're running your timetable, if you can. Yeah, and if travel, I can fit it you in. You usually do them when you travel for training. Yeah. So if you've got an extra day free, yeah. you can you host it the yeah. night. The I can host off. it the night before the training or the night after the yeah. training. I normally do the night before. Um but I like to host them so that you have a, a space, a safe space where you can come. And even if you only make a friend with me, Deanna's a great supporter. She comes to them as well. You know, like I, uh, Christina's coming down from Brisbane for this one, right? From Miss Latin. And like, I think that if you, can, if you can meet one other person at the event that you can connect with that understands the shit that you go through in business and in life and in lashes and the challenges you have. It feels good to have someone who gets it. Yeah, I remember I used to message Connie and be like, oh my God, this happened today, right? Like it might've been a problem with a client or a, or a problem with glue or like, you know, one of the staff that hadn't burped the adhesive and hadn't put the adhesive back in the airtight container. And I come in in the morning and it was left on the shelf or the trolley near the window and the, the morning sun's come up and the temperature's affected that bottle. And now the glue has like jammed the nib and the lid on and I've come in and I'm like, ah! There's only one I've got in back stock. Like, mm. I'm going to have to order another one. Like, when you've got a friend that you can be like, this shit happened today. And she goes, oh, girl, I hear you. Try this next time. Yeah. Or like, mate, I had Unless that too. Unless you're dating I feel Marco. Marco knows more about lashes than what we do. 
Yeah. So Shania's got him to <laughs> to his my yeah. lash best friend. <laughs> well, my partner doesn't like lashes, right? Oh, He's really? into cars. He's not expected to have partners and family members that know anything about this stuff. Half of them just think it's just another beauty service. They don't realize all the hoopla that goes what on goes behind it. it. Yeah. 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 So I think that fostering that sort of culture where you can connect and giving people a safe space where they can meet somebody that they look up to or somebody that can impact their lash life or make a genuine connection with a friend that is in your same area or within an hour. Like that's why when we host them in different cities, it's like people don't normally travel for more than an hour for them. So if you can meet somebody that's like within a range, mm. you can catch up with them at another time. You can collaborate on things. You can share ideas. You can feel less lonely. And that's really powerful. So you're trying to break down walls. You're trying to break down walls between For people. those that are open to it, yeah. Yeah. And I and love I- that you say that not everyone's going to be open to it as well. But it's a choice. It's true. If yeah. you open yourself up to good things, they'll happen. Yeah, absolutely. Look at us all here together now. I'm just the comic relief for this episode. That's fine. I like exploding <laughs> in my... You're the pretty face. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Bridget. We've loved having you here today. Thank you. You're for more than welcome me. to come back anytime. And come back down to do your lashes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's they right. turned out really good. I'm so happy. They are. I'm, I like them. You did them the perfect length. Mm-hmm. So I'm very happy with them. Mm-hmm. And you were concerned. I wasn't concerned with you applying them. I was concerned because I haven't had them. Yeah. Anyway. We'll... It feels different. Yeah. Anyway. Thank you for having me. Anytime. Our pleasure. Thank you, Thank you guys so much for watching Lash Society today. We'll see you soon. Bye.